This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. And welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by, of course, the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and David Hobbs Honda. I'm Steve Zockey in studio with Mitch Ross. A lot has happened since I talked to you, Steve, yes. I feel like. I feel like it's been... In fact, we got breaking news really? in the motorsports front. Yes, as reported by Robin Miller and Racer Magazine, Alexander Rossi, of course, who almost won the Indianapolis 500 this year and won the Indianapolis 500 in 2016, is re-upped with Andretti and Honda. There's some speculation that uh, Roger Penske and Team Penske had uh, made an offer to Rossi, who was to become a free agent at the end of the season. However, he has uh, signed a contract extension to stay with Michael Andretti and Andretti Autosport and Honda. Uh, so we will talk more about that in, in the second hour with David Land, who will be calling into the show from Mid-Ohio. So interesting news there. But we got a full show today, bitch. A lot of stuff, just a lot of stuff happening As usual. In, the, in the sports world. Big win for the Brewers last night. Huge. And, uh, you know, big uh, hit Ben Gamble, baby. Well, and, and you know, to talk about a tale of two batters, you know, you got bases loaded and they just call him up and it's like, oh, oh yeah. Travis Shaw. Yeah. Travis Shaw just like, It was oh. a storybook thing that just had and fallen like, in his lap and yeah. he didn't come through. And I mean, you know, obviously in baseball, you fail 75% of the time anyway. So it's tough to really get, you know, upset with the guy, but. You know, but you'd ben, like him to come through at some point. And it's the new Ben Gamble without the beard. Right. Yeah. They, looks, they, they, not even phased. Yeah. And without uh, the beard. And uh, you know, there was a lot of speculation when uh, the the Brewers traded Domingo Santana to the Mariners. They bring in Ben Gamble, and I was I was like, hey, you know, Brewers know what they're doing. This is the St. Brewers. You know, twenty. Uh, I'll, I'm going to mention uh, later in the show a, a, a Facebook memory from 2010. So I'll bring that up in, in, in how how 2010 things, that was that was the Maka years that how was things right have changed the, all right you wanna uh. I mean those were two just weird years I think in Brewers history where for whatever reason they just could not get to where they they should have been and um, they would come back in 2011 and obviously take off with a new manager but the Ken Maka years did not go very well this is the memory so from I'm 2010 sure was, almost 10 years ago. Yeah, wow. In How about that? In fact, um, another memory from six years ago was when we uh, got the new studio. And it's amazing how clean it was back then. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's not too bad today, but I've seen it in, in worse, worse shape. That's okay, for sure. Here we, that actually was no, 2009. It was 10 years ago. Wow, 2009. Here we go. Uh, <clears throat> and this is a tongue-in-cheek uh, com- you know, commentary on my part. Do I need dump button ready? No, no, no. Uh, Jeff Supon has just poured five gallons of gasoline over his head and lit a match on the mound at Miller Park. Ken Macker... Ken Maka just threw a rope over the ducting in the locker room, and Doug Melvin just tossed himself over the third deck railing. Other than that, everything is fine <laughs> gotcha. for the Brewers. Yeah. So, so yeah, there you go. it was it was an, a, a good day in Brewers history. And now um, remember, this is coming off the 2008, the high of 2008, yeah. where you got, you know, CC Sabathia and made a magical run to the postseason, then ultimately ran out of gas. But you know, you had a, a young Ryan Braun, mm-hmm. and you had a young prince fielder a young prime prince fielder and uh you had high expectations and things just didn't really work out back then soup is on remember that yeah just yeah. soup on yeah that one didn't work out too well yeah i know good old good old soup on baby thankfully david stearns uh is doing a, a much better job these days so we got a full show today lots to talk about soup uh, that's come- great yeah, there you go. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk with, uh, of course, the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Orlowski, my co-host. Uh, we'll be chatting with him and talk some uh, uh, NASCAR Cup Series uh, news and notes coming up in the next uh, few minutes here. And then we'll also chat with Dennis uh, Michelson from D-Mike Media. Oz, uh, on the top of things in the world of NASCAR, we'll be talking a little bit of Cup news. We'll also Xfinity and Truck Series uh, of course, with Pocono and uh, Iowa once again. On uh, Iowa, another race, consecutive races, uh, which is very unusual. And uh, I want to talk to Dennis Michelson about that. And before the end of the first hour, Mitch, we're going to have Kevin Olson on. He's got a blank look on his face. Kevin Olson, National Midget Hall of Fame driver, started racing in the 1970s. He won a race in Angel Park last week. First win in 19 years. So we're going to be talking with Kevin Olson, a legend. Not only that, a pretty good interview. Interesting guy. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, and then uh, hour number two, we'll be, we'll be talking to David Land from the YouTube channel, David Land, uh, on some IndyCar. And then Brian Gapinski from Badger, uh, Badger uh, Midgets. We'll be chatting with him because we had the Norm Nelson Classic coming up at Angel Park coming up next week or this weekend, I should say, and, uh, of course, Corn Fest coming up, and uh, Badger Midgets are kind of hitting their uh, fourth gear, uh, so to speak, in their schedule. And then we'll talk to Eddie Lapine because we got IMSA coming up to Road America next week, so we'll do a little preview of the Sports Car Showcase that will be appearing at Road America. And then uh, if uh, if we've got some time left over, perhaps uh, Mitch and I will do a pre-pregame show for the Brewers and Cubs series, a big, big series for the Brewer fans this weekend. So uh, make sure you tune in to the fan for the full two hours. Should be a lot of fun today. Mitch, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, as far as the, the pre-pre, you could you could tell at Miller Park last night that there was a different energy. It, it was. It was almost a playoff. At, you know, it, it's kind of a you know cliche, oh, playoff atmosphere, but it really was. I mean, and, and it, well, it's it's a huge weekend, I think, for for both teams because. Nobody knows whether they're buyers. I mean, the Cubs are probably buyers, right? But the Brewers are Cubs in a are spot. always buyers, right? And the Brewer, but the Brewers are in a spot where if they went out and got swept this weekend, I think they're done. Yeah, I mean, it's it was, and and by selling for the Brewers, I think it was maybe trade Yasmani Grandal, 
And that's But if you ask everybody in that locker room, oh, they're like they're all in. For the sure. Players are, I mean, you could see that coming off the field last and now, night. No, that was a huge win last night and I I think it would be funny for the Brewers to go out and sweep the Cubs this weekend. It would just be it would just be typical of the season where you just don't know what to do. But if they sweep the Cubs, I mean, they are right there again. They have the probably the division lead pending the Cardinals, who are just Those on fire. pesty St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. Paul Goldschmidt's year picking it up. And- after year, do you think, oh, okay, down year, and, well, maybe this will be the year. Maybe it'll be like two, three, four years. No, they keep they keep reloading. And, 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 you know, tip a hat to them. It's a good organization in St. Louis. Yeah, and they just don't go away, you know. They don't. And, and they they could be the ones that run away with the division. I I don't know, but they but are they are playing well now. I don't think they're going to take the division, but I think they're going to be spoilers, and that's the Cincinnati Reds because that's a team with a lot of pop, and uh, they're kind of hit and miss. But, uh, but they, they faded a little some, bit. The yeah, Reds. they can cause some damage though. I mean, you can't just go into Cincinnati thinking, oh yeah, we're going to take well, two out of three. I mean, the Brewers can't beat the Reds exactly so. right. So I mean, it, it, it's they're they're one of those they're, they're that pesty team. That you're gonna have to really fight. The record doesn't really show it, but they have they do have some quality uh, parts in there. They're just they don't have everything just yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it it's gonna be an interesting weekend for the Brewers and just to figure out to stay either whether they're gonna keep pace in the division or you know what they should do with with the deadline. It's just been a, such a such a conversation and, and such a struggle to figure out where they are. And I think this is kind of your your litmus test and you, you know for for the buyer, seller, the trade market, and the Giants are screwing it all up, I think, yep. because they have, you know, probably... They were supposed to be sellers. They, and have, now they have probably the two biggest pieces, yep. you know, biggest bullpen arm to to get rid of and, and the biggest starter, and they keep winning, and, and they won another extra inning game last night, six extra inning wins in 10 days. I think that's a, a baseball record. It's amazing. So, I mean, they keep they keep screwing it all up because those guys should have by now made the trades and, um, or, you know, definitely had heavy discussions and sort of had the the value of guys in the kind of the pecking order that's how yep. it works but they're they have they're keeping it close to the vest with with their situation so if they keep winning who knows what the heck's going to happen well, uh, next week i'll tell you what let's talk some nascar coming up with jeff orlowski the polish pipe on when we come back we'll talk some nascar at pocono brought to you by the legendary great league straightway in union grove and david hobbs coming up next And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, and of course David Hobbs Honda. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is the Polish Pipe Bomb, Jeff Orlowski. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. How's it going? Pretty good. We had some breaking news here. Uh, if you haven't heard, Alexander Rossi has re-upped with Andretti Autosport, and uh, in a multi-year deal just announced by Robin Miller and Racer Magazine. And, uh, you know, he was uh, being touted or being uh, coveted by Team Penske, and a lot of people were thinking, well, it's a no-brainer. You should go to Team Penske. But uh, Rossi is staying with Andretti. And, of course, my buddy just texted me, guess we'll never win another Indy 500. So I I responded, <laughs> well, we got lunch on that. So I think uh, he can. So. Well, you know, some people are happy where they're comfortable. And, uh, you know, if that's what he wanted, good for him. Well, there's a lot of pressure at, at Team Penske, but 
It is a different organization, and it's not the greatest fit for everybody. And uh, I know somebody who was offered a, a pretty primo uh, crew job back in the day, and he, he he turned them down because he knew Penske isn't for everybody, and it's it's just a different fit. Just like uh, you know, maybe some guys wouldn't want to play for the Yankees because they think they're a little uptight with the I don't know if they still have the facial hair thing. Do they still have the facial hair thing, Mitch? Not. The Yankees. Do they still? Oh yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, there's, you still you can't. can't yeah, you cannot. See? And I, I just, I, for me personally, I, I just hate that kind of stuff, you know. But I, you know, but you know, I think it's kind of. I mean, yeah, it's, it's weird, but and Penske's real kind of like the Yankees that way. There were there, there's a certain way, and there's a certain you know things that you have to do when you work for Team Penske, and and maybe Rossi wasn't really comfortable with that. Nothing personal. It just wasn't the best fit, and I kind of agree with you with that, Jeff. Yeah, Penske seems like the alpha out of the alphas. And, uh, you know, if you're not willing to sit there, you know, live, breathe, eat, sleep, everything uh, IndyCar, then it probably isn't the right fit for you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you want to sit there and and run IndyCars and still have a, a little life on the side, if you're raising a family and stuff like that, Penske might not be the place to go. But if you're young, if you're hungry, if that's all you live and die for, and you want to sit there and have the best chance of raising that championship trophy at the end of the season, I would go to Penske in a heartbeat. Well, and and coming up through the ranks, Joseph Newgarden, you saw him and what kind of driver he was and his personality and everything. And, you know, for for him, I was thinking he'd be perfect for Team Penske, and he has been. You know, he's already won a championship, and, you know, he'll probably win an Indy 500 in the next few couple of years, and he is a perfect fit for Team Penske. Rossi is a, is a you know, he's kind of a, uh, nah, how can I say this? Well, be, you know, I, I he's not clean cut, but I'm not saying he's a dirtbag either. But I mean, just saying he's, he's a little, you know, he likes, he's kind of a fringe guy. I don't know how to describe it, but. If you yeah. if you saw him on the greatest race when he was on Earth Connor Daly, I think you'd understand his personality in that. So, yeah, he doesn't exactly fit the Penske mold. It's right. good for him to see yeah. that, and you know, uh, he's probably going to be a happier driver, uh, you know, throughout his time at Andretti than he would be in Penske. So, as far as personal happiness and stuff like that, good for him. He definitely probably sacrificed on track success for the uh, personal happiness. But, you know, there's people that uh, they're not happy unless they have an equal balance. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. comes to mind. Um, You know, we all saw him leave the sport early. You can Mm -hmm. call it concussions. I call it he didn't have the the heart. Uh, It wasn't in it. And, uh, you know, obviously Dale Jr. is happy, even though my ears bleed every week that I hear him. (laughs) Um, You don't like it when he hits those high octaves? Yeah, no, those high notes, it's, uh, it's nails on the chalkboard for me. But, uh, you know, my, my voice uh, changed when I was in sixth grade. So, <laughs> you know, to each their own. But, uh, you know, good, congratulations to, to Rossi and wish him all the success. One guy that's kind of been on a tear lately is Kurt Busch. Uh, been running well, winning races, running top fives, and now uh, final practice is over. You got Eric Jones first. Uh, who's running for, you know, he's, he's trying to keep his ride full-time next year. 
You got Kurt Busch in the one car and our, our the show favorite Matt DiBurrito uh, in third place. Yeah, it um, that is a great top ten. Lots of good stories. You mentioned Eric Jones. Um, you know, I think he's finished three or four out of the last five races in the top three to five at Pocono. So it's a track that he runs very, very well at. Uh, I do expect him to, uh, you know, to be up there with uh, 15 laps to go and a chance to win. So, you know, he can definitely save his ride and, you know, kind of put, you know, the early part of his career has been up and down. Um, But he's coming to life and he's showing some signs now, and that's good in the position that he's in. And William Byron in the 24 was fourth. And, and Hendrick seems, you know, there's been an uptick with Hendrick. Uh, uh, so is this something, could could uh, Byron be the next Hendrick car in victory lane? Um, well, he definitely, it seems like he has a lot better chance than Jimmy Johnson does. Uh, so would I be surprised? No, but I think it's going to be Alex Bowman again. Okay. Alex Bowman, who is 21st in final practice, but was uh, showing, uh, I think he was looking well in the in the 10, 10 lap groupings, which is actually a little more important. But yeah. uh, uh, Michael McDowell, too, was 10th, uh, you know, proving that, you know, you don't have to be just, you don't have to just run well at Daytona or Talladega. Yeah, he's definitely showing some skill on some different tracks. He's making that team better. Obviously, he's not in really good equipment um so it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that he runs you know 20 to 25th every week that's about the type of uh, equipment that he's in but i think that uh especially lately he's shown that he does finish better than what his car is uh, you'll take a 25th place car and come in 18th and uh while 18th you look at it and you're like well you know it's 18th but that's a win for those guys yeah, I know. You know, Kyle Larson, you know, he re-upped with Chip Ganassi for us Kyle Larson fans. It wasn't the best news that we wanted to hear. Once again, hitting a wall and just just a horrible year for Kyle Larson, has it been? Yeah, it's been a complete and total disaster for Larson. You know, the kid's got all the promise in the world. Why he ever signed his name on that contract, I have no idea. I don't think there's any other offers. I think it was the reason why he signed with Ganassi in the first place was which because they were the only ones that offered him a ride without him bringing money in. But the thing is, is that even if he would have had to do the Kurt Busch route where you go and you run for a secondary team for a year and then you get into a Stuart Haas or something like that, there there will always be a ride for a guy like Kyle Larson, who, you know, he has shown that he can be competitive on all the different types of tracks. He is a true racer. And, you know, it's just sad because the more, the longer this season goes, the more he struggles. I just wonder if this is going to be one of those stories kind of like, you know, Jamie McMurray, where it's like, well, what could have been with this Mm -hmm. guy you know, they have talent. They're just, they never get into good equipment and, uh, and their career struggles because of it. 
Yeah, and then, of course, last week in New Hampshire, once again, a, a good race in the Cup Series where you saw Kevin Harvick, who <clears throat> you're as truly predicted as the winner, uh, holding off a charging Denny Hamlin, who who did a, I guess, a tasteful bump and run. Didn't have to crash the guy out. Uh, in hindsight, he maybe should have hit, he said he should have hit him more. I'm thinking, no, that's, you get one shot, that's... If you're going to do a bump and run, that's that's about as hard as you should have to hit the guy. Otherwise, than that, that's that's just sturdy pool. But that's my personal feeling. But uh, what was your opinion on, uh, especially the last ten laps of that uh, Loudon race last week? Well, it was a phenomenal finish, and NASCAR kept their streak alive. It's now three or four, or four out of the last six races that have had just great finishes, have been exciting to watch. Uh, you know, it puts the boredom of uh, April and May racing uh, kind of beside us and on the back burner, makes you not remember it quite so much. If I was Denny Hamlin, I definitely would have hit him a hell of a lot harder than he did. I would have done anything, you know, I had to do, especially when, you know, yes, it's Harvick and he was looking for his first win of the season, but it's not like he was wrecking a guy going after his first win. He wasn't going to wreck. Yeah. Burrito, who was going after you know the first and only checkered flag he'd probably ever see in his career this was a you know it's a kevin harvick's a, a champion he's a, you know he's well established if he would have wrecked out of that race there's no way he's losing his ride or anything like that i would uh i would have thrown him into the fence but uh but that's just me like you know i you know me i'd wreck my grandmother win a race oh, i think you know <laughs> It, it, it all depends on who it is in the you know in the circumstances. You know, we've we, we we've talked about this before on the show, the Matt Kenseth situation with Tony Stewart, you know, and other and others in that, and 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 then there's drivers that should have that didn't, like Ted Musgrave. But in this case, you have two guys that have been in victory lane many many times. But I mean, you know, Denny Hamlin, yeah, they 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 all say in the Cup Series they police it by I run the guy. You know how he's run me. So you know, Denny Hamlin didn't take him out, but he already has. You know, he he's got a couple wins. He doesn't now. Maybe he might be in a situation, especially like a track like Dover or something later in the year, where he gets himself in trouble. Where Heller Harvick actually gives him a break now, instead of taking him out and crashing him out. So you know, it's one of those things where it may pay. It it actually may pay. You know, dividends during the playoffs when you kind of really need that break. Well, and that's what Denny Hamlin is looking for. He said in uh, in a couple interviews this week that, um, you know, the fact that he didn't wreck Harvick, uh, A, you know, it's trying to help his reputation a little bit, but B, it kind of buys him one where if he does have to throw somebody into the wall in the playoffs or something like that, it's not going to be, oh, same old Denny. It's going to be well, you know, he had to do it to to advance in the playoffs or whatever the the excuse is going to be. So he definitely, um, you know, I think Harvick owes him, but I think it was definitely a bigger picture type move sure. than if he would have just sat there and put him in the wall to win last week. Talking about Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Jeff, of course, can be heard on the Final Inspection Show usually as my co-host, but is uh had a another uh, uh assignment he's he's away on assignment let's call it yeah well a, i wish so. i was in studio because we're <laughs> deep cleaning the house today so uh 
this is a uh, a pleasant break and uh, <laughs> you know I'm very glad that the show's going to be on until six o'clock tonight straight and I'll be on the whole time so this works out wonderful. <laughs> Hey, uh, this is from uh, Speedsport.com. Our friends there and Ralph Shaheen. Officials from Pocono Raceway NASCAR revealed several details for the planned 2020 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series doubleheader. Uh, the Sunday, June 28th portion of the doubleheader will be 350 miles and or 140 laps. The first portion of the doubleheader on Saturday, June 27th will likely be the same length, but officials indicated further conversation needs to t- take place. Qualifying for the first race of the weekend will be will take place on the Friday prior. Uh, however, the field for the second race, I like this, uh, will be set by inverting the lead lap finishers from the first race. Any la- any cars a lap down from Saturday's race will then start behind those cars who finished on the lead lap. The weekend is also scheduled to include the NASCAR Xfinity Series and Gander Outdoor Truck Series. Uh, the Xfinity Series race will take place on June 28th, uh, and the uh, Truck Series race will be on the 27th. So you're going to have a double, uh, uh, basically two races, or you'll have two two days. So you'll have a truck, ra- a truck race and a cup race on Saturday, and then the following day you're going to have an Xfinity race and a cup race on the same day. Uh, is that something you'd be interested in seeing if you're a NASCAR fan, Jeff? Uh Interested? No. Uh, it's still Pocono, so it's not the most exciting racing in the world. Uh, probably one of my least favorite tracks on the schedule, but I, I like it. And I like that they're doing it all in one weekend. I like the, the double race weekend. I like the fact that there's going to be Xfinity and Cup on the same day. Like you, I am a big fan with inverting the lead lap cars. To, uh, to have your starting order for the second race. I think what's going to make that interesting is for the clash the next February, where I think if you've got two guys, say you've got Michael McDowell and, and a Matt DiBurrito, and they are the last two cars on the lead lap, is there showmanship where one guy just you know lets off the gas and lets the other guy pass him to be the last car on the lead lap and start from the pole? And then he gets into the clash uh, the following February. Interesting. I think, you know, I think there could be some uh, some gamesmanship back there. I love it. I hope that uh, NASCAR does not make it where if you do start from the pole in the second Pocono, that that does not count for the clash. I think if they do that, they're they're missing an opportunity to a get a driver that doesn't get the publicity and the you know. So, so-called notoriety that they deserve i think it is a a fantastic opportunity for drivers that uh you know are on these underfunded teams and stuff like that to to get their name out there to get talked about to get camera time so their sponsors see themselves on the broadcast and can say nascar is a good investment i am going to invest for years to come and hopefully it brings back a bunch of these companies that have left and we start getting a lot more money back into this sport. Sounds good. Uh, it is that time for predictions on the final inspection show. So, Jeff, let's see here. What do you got for a Pocono Cup Series? Give me Eric Jones. Ooh, I like that. And then uh, we'll just do Iowa. We can't, we're not going to do a truck series. Uh, we'll do Iowa, 
Uh, Xfinity, what do you like? Uh, I'm going to go with Cindric, my boy. Okay. And then middle Ohio IndyCar. Oh, man. Well, when I think of uh, of mid-Ohio, I definitely think of Pagano. Uh Lots of French in, in mid-Ohio. Um, I have no idea. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go Pagano. Okay, very good. Jeff, thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you next week. All right, boys. Have a great weekend, and uh, enjoy the racing. All right, thanks, buddy. That's Jeff Orlowski joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local, common-sense lending to your community since 1935. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show, we'll talk to Dennis Michelson about the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series in NASCAR. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final inspection. Final inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. And welcome back to the final inspection show. And yes, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Dennis Michelson from D Mike Media. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Hey, man, it's good to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure to chat with you, sir. And uh, switching our attention to Iowa in the Xfinity Series, uh, you could almost call it a doubleheader, consecutive races at Iowa, uh, IndyCar Series, and now uh, the Xfinity Series. How stressful is that for a racetrack? Oh, my goodness. After what they went through with the IndyCar race, not finishing until the wee hours of the morning, um, it's that puts a lot of stress on a, in a, you know, all the people that are working at the track to then try to come back again in the middle of thunderstorm season and, and try to get a, get a race in the, the you know, just really quick back to back. It does put a little bit of pressure on the infrastructure, but Hey, at least the bathrooms are clean. This is true. This is true. And Christopher Bell won the Bush pole for the U S cellular two fifty Xfinity race. Uh, and uh, it's his second in Iowa, his 10th in his career, and uh, Chase Briscoe will start second. Uh, Christopher Bell, this this has to be his last year in Xfinity, correct? Yeah, I absolutely. There's no way that he would even dare stick it around for another season. And he brings enough in the way of sponsorship uh, with him uh, and sponsors that like him that you know, if he didn't get the opportunity to move up to the next level, you know, with his current team, there will be other teams coming to calling. So this is a case of, you know, protect your investment at this point. And a kind of embarrassing moment uh, in qualifying, you know, especially a situation uh, for a driver like this. Morgan Shepard, you know, God bless him, you know, still driving. And it, it, let's face it, he's a field filler at this point. He likes being at the track. The guy is 70 years old, but he could run circles around, you know, both of us, uh, the physical shape that he's in. But uh, unfortunately, he left the, uh, left the pits with the, with the, I guess, backup steering wheel, whatever you want to call it, the crew steering wheel on the car, and it's, you know, it's rolling down the backstretch. NASCAR does not like situations like that, does it? No, they, they, you know, whenever a crew screws up and 
you know, forces a, a little adjustment there to uh, Steph. They, they sort of take uh, not kindly to that. But how many times over the years have you seen cars leave, you know, the, the pit area and there's a wrench on the back, you know, of the mm-hmm. car or there's some some tools that are there or whatever. It's It happens. Um, it's just, a, just unfortunate. And, you know, I love seeing him at the racetrack because, you can always count on the morning of qualifying, for instance. You'll see him on roller skates going up and down the pit lane at some point. It's just hilarious, but the guy's loving life, and I wish I have had half his energy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for those who may not know, a lot of these, especially the smaller teams, you know, they have very limited uh, full-time crew members, and most of the, the – the, the, you know, at least I would say the least – third half of the field in the Xfinity side and probably on the, the, the truck side, those those are pickup guys that they pick up at the racetrack to do pit stops, isn't it? Yeah, and it, uh, until NASCAR really buckled down on this, they used to do it sort of like how ARCA used to do it. Um, you know, a lot of the, the back marker field filler teams for ARCA used to share a pit crew mm-hmm. uh, between two guys and whoever was farther up in the lineup, that's who got the pit first. And then the other guy would come in and the crew would take care of them at the same time. Um, they used to do some of that on the, uh, uh, at that time, the Bush series side as well, but NASCAR is kind of, kind of stomped that one out. And uh, now, you know, a team like Morgan Shepard's and uh, those kinds of teams, they might have three guys that are at the track, Sure. There are actual, you know, guys that work on the car, and the rest they are, are just, you know, friends of family sometimes who have been trained to to do those jobs. And you know, like I said, in ARCA and in NASCAR, it wasn't uncommon. I got cast one time when I was there covering races media to uh, go over the wall for one of the ARCA teams. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how crazy it used to get if you if you knew teams that were out there, but. Um, NASCAR's kind of cracked down on that, and you know NASCAR's sort of sharing the track with the K and N series this week. So some of those guys are staying over to, to pit cars as well. So it, it gets pretty weird when you're talking some of those back uh, of the field teams because they just don't have the budget. They have a, a, a pit crew the way you know the front running teams. They'll have their mechanics working on the team. And then they'll fly in their crew guys just on race day. So um, the smaller teams certainly can't afford to, you know, even have a full team in many cases. Yeah, Chase Briscoe, uh, outside front row, uh, Indiana sprint car driver, is finally starting to starting to click now with the with the heavier stock cars and that. He'll be he's a Ford supported driver. It'll be inter- interesting to see how he does. But another driver, and I've been, I was, you know, I've been kind of critical of him. He wrecks a lot of cars, but now it looks like maybe, uh, the you know, the lights going off now for him, and that, and that, and that's Brandon Jones, who certainly has been putting together uh, some some decent races here, hasn't he? Yeah, when Brandon Jones first hit the series, he was really really quick, but you could always count on him spinning. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like. Now, how we joke about Natalie Decker in the truck series, you know, when is she going to crash? It's not a matter of, you know, if she's going to crash, it's what lap is the first spin coming up. And that was kind of his deal as well. He was uh, he was very fast right from the, the time he arrived. 
in NASCAR, but he was not the steadiest, not the surest driver. But he is starting to get it. You know, that's, uh, you know, I'm always reminded of uh, of a great uh, basketball coach from uh, the great city of Milwaukee with the Marquette uh, Warriors years ago. Al McGuire, yep. The, yep, he used to say the greatest thing about freshmen, they become sophomores. <laughs> Same thing with race car drivers. The greatest thing about young race car drivers is they finally get it. I mean, how many times do we say this along the way? You know, Ross Chastain turned back to when he first arrived in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a consistent driver. Now the guy's proven himself as being one of the best drivers um, in the, the lower divisions. Same with uh, with Justin Haley. When he first came, he was fast, but he was also known to, to be, you know, a little inconsistent. And now he's really doing well. So it takes experience. I don't care how great of a driver you are. I don't care if you're Christopher Bell running for one of the top teams or a guy farther down the, the order just, you know, making it from race to race with a with a smaller team. When you first get to this level, it's just like moving up like like a baseball player. Triple A to the majors is one step up in the hierarchy of the sport, but it's like 100 times tougher to stay at that major league level. Same thing with every step up the NASCAR ladder. When you're just racing those wheeling all, you know, wheeling uh, series stuff at your local short track uh, for wheeling, you know, points in NASCAR, you move up to, you know, you might win 10 races in a year at your short track. You move up to K&N, and all of a sudden you're lucky if you're getting 10 top 10 finishes your first season. It's a huge jump up between the weekly stuff and the regional. Then from the K&N to, say, the truck series, that's a big jump. And from the trucks to Xfinity is a big jump. But that biggest jump is from Xfinity to Cup. You are now moving up to the major leagues, and it is very, very tough. But each step along the way, you have to kind of relearn what you're doing. You know, we see that in every sport along the way, and the same thing's true in racing, too. Talking to Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media and on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Switching gears now, going uh, going back to Pocono Raceway, where uh, the truck series is at. Austin Hill in the 16 and the Shugi Hitaki uh, Toyotas on the pole. Ross Chastain in, in the front row. we got Stuart Friesen and Brett, uh, Brett Moffitt, who won the championship last year in the 16 car. That's on the pole with Austin Hill. And then Sheldon Creed in the two car. Uh, in my opinion, the most exciting guy in the truck series at this point. Harrison Burton. Of course, and I want to talk about Harrison Burton last week with the Paul Menard situation. We we were tweeting about that last week. What, 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 uh, for those who may not watch it, Harrison Burton had an excellent opportunity in a uh, Joe Gibbs car and in the 18 car and was taken off by Paul Menard in the Xfinity race, which I didn't like because my feeling is, hey, Menard, you're, 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 you're dropping down the series, you know, and he didn't like it because he said that Burton was getting into him. And so give us give us your, your opinion on that one, Dennis, please. He was flat-out dumped. That was a yeah. nasty, dirty move. And, I, you know, here's the thing. is If if a part-timer in the Cup Series, a guy who's running Xfinity or Trucks full-time, or even a guy who's running Cup full-time but not running for playoff points, 
like a Ross Chastain would have done the same thing to a Paul Menard in the cup level, you'd never hear the end of it. So when you are a cup guy, when you are just dropping down, you're the visitor in town. You are not, you know, you're not supposed to, to, you know, just make a mess of things. And I don't know. I, I, I could see why he might be a little bit miffed because he was raced good and hard, but he wasn't raced dirty by Harrison Burton on that restart. He was just raced hard. Last time I looked, I kind of thought that was your job as a young racer, was to race hard every time. He didn't run Menard dirty. And, in fact, if you look at the replay, you know, you look at it from both guys' point of view, he cut down on Harrison Burton. So Harrison Burton didn't have anywhere else to go. He was already down as far on the track as far low as on the track as he could get. So there really wasn't anything for him to do. And then the return, you know, so this is like, I give you a little tap, I'm giving you a big shove. You know, it's, you know, like somebody slaps you and you deck them with a, with a right cross. It just doesn't make any sense. It was a payback that far exceeded, yes. the, you know, any roughing up that was, was perceived even if I put my Paul Menard fan hat on, because I love Paul Menard. I think he gets a bad rap uh, too often. I could see how he'd be miffed. I could see how he might want to go in there and crowd him the next time he gets a chance. But he flat hooked him, and I don't like this hook and run stuff. To me, I could go out there and show that little bit of talent. You know, if you're a professional NASCAR driver, if you want to get on his back bumper and you just want to rough him up a little bit, you want to give him a rough ride, that's fine. That would be a proper payback. But he flat-out dumped him. What I didn't understand was how did Harrison Burton keep his cool? Oh, yeah. Uh, I yeah. wouldn't have. Oh, Jeff Burton, I too. Have. I mean, yeah, I, oh, God, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I posted on Facebook. I said, uh, kudos to Jeff Burton because I would have charged out of, the, out of the booth. I would have grabbed a crowbar and went after him. <laughs> I would have went. I, that would have been, I mean – or Kim Burton too. I'm surprised Kim Burton didn't jump up on pit road and start sticking her high heels and in, uh, into his hood, because uh, you know she 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 gets all worked up during the races too watching her son. But I mean, yeah, it's just just a frustrating situation. There's a you know there's a time and place for everything, but this is a situation. It's it's so tough to get opportunities in in, in any type of racing, much less NASCAR now. You know, the money is so yeah, tight and, and everything. And, and here's an opportunity for him to be in a good ride and kind of showcase yourself. And, and you know, the, what got me mad is here, you're, you're, you're not screwing a guy's race. You're kind of screwing up his career by doing that. And, then, and that, that's what got me worked up. Yeah, and I've watched Harrison Burton all the way up through the short track ranks to, to regional touring. And he has developed a reputation much like his dad of being a very clean racer. It's not like this guy goes around just, you know, shoving his back bumper into guys. So he's got a reputation. And I don't care how long or how few races you've got in this this business, everybody in the garage area knows your reputation very clearly, very quickly. So Menard also, when he gets roughed up by him or, you know, run hard on that restart, he knows this is a kid that is not known for throwing his car around. He's he's actually been uh, kind of an old-school racer of, you know, racing hard, 
you know, he's he's nobody's weenie. He's not going to go out there and just, you know, roll over on guys. But he doesn't have that reputation of of being a rough racer. And he was done wrong. You know, he really was, was done wrong in this case. And, uh, you know, I kind of lost a little respect for Paul Menard because this is a guy who, you know, I don't want to say he's had it handed to him, but his path to the top has been a sure. little easier than Harrison Burton's. And he knows when when you're in one of those cars at the elite level of any series, and you're only going to get a handful of starts in there, those are the races that are more important. If he was just filling out the field with a middle-ranking team and gets roughed up and, and turned, that's a whole different story. But this was a chance for Harrison Burton with all the eyes on him, and he just flat out got dumped. But I will say this, you knew he was in the race, and yeah. you knew he was racing hard, and you, I was impressed with the kid's talent. I thought they were rushing this kid up the ladder a little too quick. After last week, I'm like, this kid's got it. He should be in a top ride right now. He should be in a Christopher Bell-type ride full-time for next season because this kid's got it. All right, that time of the show, we got to do predictions. Uh, Dennis, who do you like at Mid-Ohio in the IndyCar race? Ooh, Mid-Ohio. I'm going to take Will Power. Will Power. And then uh, Iowa for the Xfinity. I'm going to take Christopher Bell. All right. And the big race, Sunday at Pocono. I'm going to take Martin Truex Jr. this week, and I've got – as positive a feeling about him as I did Harvick last week. So All right, very good. Well, Dennis, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show and look forward to chatting with you next week. And what's the latest at DMAC Media? Oh, getting all the fantasy football stuff together. Uh, now riding for the folks at fakepigskin.com. How cool of a name is that for a website? Still over at Flurry Sports and also collaborating with folks at uh, ffstatistics.com. So, very busy this time of the year with fantasy football stuff. Remember, fantasy football is a weekly game, not a yearly game. You need weekly tools, and the only ones you'll get is from Dima over at fakepigskin.com. All right. Looks like we're going to have to have you on the Green and Gold podcast with Jeff and myself. So, looking forward to that. I would. I would love to do that because I've got a lot of good feelings about this Green Bay Packers team. Uh, you know, even though I share a house with a Bears fan, I, I got to tell you, I'm really looking at the Packers as being a real strong season coming up. All right, very good. Dennis, we appreciate it. We'll chat with you next week. All right, Z-Man, be good. All right, thanks, Dennis. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show, we're going to talk to National Midget Hall of Fame race car driver, Kevin Olson coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with David Hobbs Honda. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Kevin Olson. Kevin, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, this is pretty cool. So Kevin Olson, for those who not might not be aware, a five-time Badger Midget Champion, 
uh, two-time USAC Midget Champion, also in the USAC uh, Hall of Fame along with the National Midget Hall of Fame. And uh, in, in, a, in a time of his career that a lot of people are saying, hey, maybe you should retire, you actually won a race last week at Angel Park. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think for the last 20 to 30 years, people have been telling me I better <laughs> retire because I'm a, I'll be 100 years old, I believe, this year. But, uh, uh, well, actually, 68, just feel like 100. But, uh, no, it's, it's been a long time uh, without the dry spell, but uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to win last week at Sun Prairie, which is kind of the place that, that I grew up around. So how did this come together with you and uh, car owner Don Clevin, and uh, you know, and 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 you've been running the, the the full series so far, and and how how how's the season been progressing for you? Well, you know, I think Donnie had pity for an old man, is what it kind of amounted to, you know, and uh, wanted to try to give me a chance to win another one, which was kind of my goal. I mean, I, I've won over a hundred midget races, or you know, over the career of. This is my 50th year of racing midgets, and, and uh, I just really wanted to win one, one more at Sun Prairie. You know, it's kind of like the drug addict. He always has to have one more. I, <laughs> I had to win one more, and it kind of took me all this time to do it. But now, you know, I can uh, I can fall over dead tonight, and I'll be all right. You know, I'll be happy. And and so, you you started at a time almost when uh, I think row cages were, were mandated. Uh, 1970. Yeah. That's when you started. But did you drive an Offenhauser powered midget? Oh yeah, yeah. I drove quite a few of them. Okay. I drove a car without a roll, with just a roll bar, briefly, and then uh, kind of run just about all the different engines there are. But uh, you know, through the years, things have progressed so much technically with these cars that they're so good nowadays that uh, it's right up there with it. Well, you know, I mean, I've always I started at Angel Park, and it's just been. Uh, a place that we are automatically you get up Sunday morning, your body knows you got to go to Angel Park, you know, mm-hmm. because you've done it for so long. But uh, yeah, it's got to be, if not my favorite, one of the I always love going to Hales Corners, also. That was always a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, through the years I, at Angel Park, my kids have all grown up there, and uh, I've lost a few friends there that were killed in race cars. Uh, you know, I've had the highlights and the, and the highest of highs and the lowest of lows there, but it's just kind of. Like uh, like I guess would be my home track, but I certainly love the Sun Prairie people in the track. That's for sure. Uh, and that was your 47th career feature victory at Angel Park, which places you uh, third third place on the all time uh, feature win list. And it was your first at the track since September 6th, uh, 1998. And uh, I've I've seen you race out there since then too, and you've been in a variety of cars. But uh, it seems like this is a good uh, mesh for you with you and you and Donnie, isn't it? Oh, it's great. He's the greatest, you know, guy never gets upset when I make all my mistakes and never, you know, he's just happy to be part of the racing thing. And I, I, you couldn't ask for a better guy. And he's got a great tire. I mean, for a guy like me, the last 20 years or so at my age, it's just been hard to find a decent ride. And, uh, you know, with Donnie, I got, I got the best of everything there and, you know, I, I, I'm just so fortunate to have been able to met, meet up with him. And he's not only a good friend, but, I mean, just a great car owner. Great car owner. And have you, you've you've raced against a, a who's who of midget racing over the years. Uh, give me a couple of drivers that really kind of stick out for you. <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Excuse me. I've raced with guys like Mal Kenyon, Rich Vogler, Bob, uh, Bob Wendy, Sleepy Trip, uh, 
Jeff Gordon. I was teammates with Jeff Gordon in Australia uh, back in 1990. Um, boy, you name it. A.J. Foyt ran with us one time in Terre Haute. And, uh, Johnny Rutherford. Really, it's just about anybody we've crossed paths at one time or another. Now, I'm not saying I beat them all. I mean, but uh, uh, I, I raced with them anyways. But uh, it's it's just been a great run for me, uh, quite a quite a neat deal to spend your whole life doing what you want to do. It certainly is. And, and uh, uh, just a potpourri of car owners, too. Uh, who are some of the car owners that helped you along the way? Oh, my gosh, just so many of them. I mean, through, I, I've probably driven for uh, maybe uh, uh, over 100 car owners through the years. But, you know, I run from everybody like Denny Lamers, of course, up in Appleton we won the Badger mm-hmm. Championship with, and uh, Paul Kruger, who won races back in the 60s, and Lee Carey and Donnie Clevin. And, and uh, I, you know, it's kind of hurt me just to pull. Just, if you name somebody, I've probably driven for Mal Kenyon I drove for, and, uh Gosh, I, uh, Jim Fiscus out of Fitchburg, we drove for um, just 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 about anybody that's had a race sure. car. I've had a chance, and I got fired from all of them, by the way. You know, so. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, one one of my favorite books that you came out with a couple of years ago was your uh, "Cages Are for Monkeys: uh, Unleashed with Kevin Olson" that you did with Lou Boyd, and Lou Boyd's a good guy. Uh, with his Coastal 181 uh, website. Make sure you check out Coastal181.com, not only for uh, 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 Kevin's book, which I guess is going to be coming back in February, but also uh, still Steve Zotke DVDs from the Milwaukee Mallard are also available there. But uh, not only you, but your brother Lauren Olson has a pretty cool book on on midget racing in Wisconsin, doesn't he? He sure does. Lauren's one of those uh, guys that, probably is a historian with with open wheel midgets and uh, mm-hmm. racing probably more than anybody i can think of in the world really uh the other day i was down at bob tattersall who was a famous midget racer in the old days yep his wife i, I met up with her and they were talking about a little track in streeter illinois it was called third street speedway they only lasted two years in 48 and 49 and uh and she said look there's the knoxville raceway was interested in getting some facts about it they never even heard about it you know i called lauren right on the spot and he had two years of of, of that little obscure track you know that he had all the results so i mean he, he's he's really got a tremendous history of uh, midget racing and just about any kind of racing yeah so make sure you check out coastal181.com and uh lauren's book uh which was kevin's brother it's midgets of wisconsin uh excellent book uh on the history of uh of the mighty midgets uh, in Wisconsin, and then uh, what's the latest on your book? Now you you you've sold so many of them, Kevin, that they've gone out of <laughs> out of print, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. I think we're gonna. There's a good chance we're gonna do another one. This one was called Cages Are for Monkeys, and it's kind of a his, my history of uh, racing, which is probably not any but like anybody else's, because I've always seemed to be the guy that uh, is in the wrong spot at the wrong time, or <laughs> you know, just. Uh, I, I like to drink a few drinks now and then through the years, and you know sometimes it got me in trouble. And and you know the history of racing that I did and the injuries. I, I broke my neck uh, in C1 and 2. I broke my back in T3, 4, and 5. I spent two months in a burn unit. Uh, I got uh, pretty much broken ribs, broken whatever you know. And uh, it's kind of interesting for you know a derelict like me to 
be able to make the Hall of Fame anyway, you know. It certainly is. Well, Kevin, we certainly appreciate you joining the show. And uh, make sure you check out Coastal181.com and also by Amazon, too, uh, for Kevin's book. And uh, we appreciate it, and we look forward to uh, seeing you uh, out at Angel Park. Well, we'll be there probably until they run me out. So uh, <laughs> thanks for calling, and, and boy, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's been a great week for me. I, I've, uh, you know, it's just been one of the best weeks of my life just for all the people calling, and I had – Johnny Rutherford called me and Parnelli Jones and uh, well, not Parnelli, but uh, just about anybody and everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was pretty neat. So for a Sunbury race. So thank you, Steve, and good luck to you guys too. All right, thank you. It's Kevin Olson joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local, common sense lending to your community. Since 1935. We'll take a quick break here, and then after the a couple commercials and the sports flash, we'll have uh, David Land talking IndyCar from Mid Ohio coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Step up, step up, step up, okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 